is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. She's Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Feels good to be back. Took yeah, off yeah. last week. Getting into June. We're only like, what, a month and a half away from actually getting any relevant football news? Hey, you know what? Mandatory minicamp is coming up. Supposedly the Niners are going to cancel their last week of OTAs and move minicamp up to next week. So that could be fun. Uh, but we'll get through it. Don't worry. We've got some big name guests coming down the pike. Chris Sims is going to join us. A little quarterback discussion. That's going to be fun. I'm going to yell at him. Damon Bruce is going to join the program next week. So we're, we will get through it together. Uh, before we get going, talking about Brock Purdy and his throwing sessions and what John Lynch said about that, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. Michelle, got a little trouble. This one comes from Bob 101 Three stars, which I know violates your rule. Love it, but is the subject. Michelle's recent rant about Kyle Shanahan giving up in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles was ridiculous. That's the only time I heard this. And really? They had no quarterback? But she seems to think putting anyone in the game would have helped the situation. That's ludicrous. Your response? It's, A, it's not about helping. When I say put someone in the game, I didn't say, like, they they would have won. I just said, you gave up. That's all. That's all I said by having 11 first 10. That's all I'm saying. But also like, you know, have you disagreed with everything else I had to say? Or am I like ludicrous and everything? One comment put to that three. And also I always say, if you truly believe a podcast is three stars, there are way too many podcasts out there. There are one gazillion podcasts. Go find a five star. Do not waste your time with three star guys. You are a one star or one five star. star five. There's nothing, there's nothing in between. Go big or go home. <laughs> I like, I can respect that, honestly. Uh, but we appreciate the review nonetheless. Uh, also, Strat Blues Man says five stars lost in Cheeseland. Rob and Mimosa Michelle make it easier to live in the land of cheese with their 49ers podcast. They will make you feel like you're with fellow 49ers fans. So to them, I raise the goblet of fire in honor of their hard work. You're being lumped in with 49ers fans, Michelle. How do you feel Ooh-hoo. about that? I feel and will very that. Good. Will that continue after week one of the 2023 season when the Niners play the Steelers? It won't. It won't continue into week one. I will say. So I got an homage gift card this week and I was going on the site to see what do I want to buy? I go to the Steelers first. They look through it and I'm like, "Mm," and I slowly go over to the 49ers section. And I'm like, I was a little, you know, like, I don't know which one I want to buy. I will say 49ers gear is a little bit prettier. Like I like the gear better i like the color scheme Steelers have a pretty bad color scheme i think black and yellow is pretty good but yeah. all right but anyway uh you should go to homage and check out everything they have to offer they have other stuff that's not sports also there's a link right in the description of this show wherever you're consuming it podcast youtube wherever click that link and go check out homage and uh, you'll support the show which will be good because uh, we would appreciate that all right Let's get to some Brock Purdy news, Michelle, because we had the vaunted throwing session. The first throwing session took place this week. Brock has finally begun throwing after the surgery. John Lynch was a guest on Sirius XM NFL radio and had some very positive things to say after the first throwing session. There are certain markers that you hit. He was 12 weeks out and that was meant it was time to throw. He did, did so and responded really well. 
Uh, he's just had one session thus far, but, um, you know, we're incredibly encouraged by that. Um, we'll take it as it comes, as we're doing. He's working incredibly hard, and the early returns are really good. So hitting all the timelines. That's, look, it's just one throwing session, but obviously that's good news. It's great news. I would also love to know, you know, a little bit more detail. Was it a full-size ball? How far no, was he throwing? It's it not a full-size ball. It's a half-weighted yeah. half football, I believe, is what the uh, regimen sort of requires. Okay. I My biggest worry is just pushing him too fast, but hopefully they keep taking it slow. I'm happy it wasn't a full-size ball because it's starting to, like, he just had surgery in March, right? That was, mm -hmm. he didn't end up having it till March. We're only in June, the be very, very beginning of June. Just take it a little slow. We know how 49ers players' injuries just tend to stack up here. So be careful. This quote from John Lynch should make you feel better, though. He said, we are not going to put Brock in a situation where he's not fully healed. That means not just get back, but get back and get in reps under your belt. Now, that's a great thing to say. Whether or not they actually do it is a separate issue. And sometimes we've seen with the 49ers, like you said, they do kind of push guys out there maybe a little too soon. Yeah. And the more I dig in on Brock Purdy, the more I'm like, the 49ers really do need him to be healthy for the season. If they're truly going to make a real run and be a strong Super Bowl contender. I do think it has to be Brock Purdy. You know, I, I love me some Trey Lance and the potential for him and all that. But the difference that Brock Purdy has made on the field, and he's just perfect for the Kyle Shanahan system. He really knows how to run it, and he knows how to run it well. Now, small sample size, but I, I do believe like he's just one of those guys where the coach and the quarterback just mesh so well, and it could be a perfect marriage if he's healthy. So you say you've dug in to Brock Purdy. What makes you, what did you uncover that causes you to make that statement? Well, there's two different things, right? We'll start with just how well he performed, which we all know. We, we saw the stats and they're beautiful, right? But when you dig into each situation and why I'm saying why I think he's so good with Cal Shanahan's system. So when you look at passer rating by situation, and I'm taking all these uh, stats from next gen stats, when in play action, he had, he led the NFL in passer rating in rhythm throws. So that's 2.5 to four seconds. Once the ball snapped first in the NFL, when the offense uses shift or motion pre-snap, he had the highest passer rating in the NFL. When he was targeting guys outside the numbers, highest passer rating in the NFL with no blitz coming to him, highest passer rating in the NFL. This is all very impressive stuff to lead the NFL in all of those categories when you're a rookie, A, and a seventh round rookie at that. That is truly impressive. Now, it's a small sample size, but again, it was including the playoff games, though. So that's eight games. It's not like the tiniest sample size ever. So that's one part I was like, wow, okay, he, he was absolutely killing it. And then also, I was listening to you and Levin yesterday, and I know you and I have had these same conversations where we felt like Brock Purdy got very lucky in a lot of situations where interceptions that we thought like this defender should have easily gotten that kind of were dropped or something happened. But then I go look on PFF and he only has a 1.6 turnover worthy rate last year, including the playoffs. That was the fourth lowest among all quarterbacks with hundred attempts during from weeks 14 through the, through the playoffs. So it was actually like really low. And I was shocked by that. So, okay. There's a lot there. I want to respond to. Yeah, Let I me just, respond. Sorry. I just like threw that all up. 
that's okay. I like the excitement. The first part of it is really interesting. And it's something that I've been going back and forth with on fans on Twitter constantly. How do we separate the performance from the system? In other words, how do we know that Brock's great play and all the stats you just laid out, how do we know that that's not due to Kyle Shanahan making it super easy for him as opposed to this great skill that Brock Purdy has? Or does it even matter? It doesn't. That's I don't think it matters, right? So it uh, you can say, yes, this quarterback is only this good because of the system. But if you're able to be the best quarterback in the system, like then it, it's kind of like I feel like Tom Brady with uh, um, oh my goodness, Josh McDaniels, right? Or you could say Bill Belichick was like just such a good coach. And for a while, it was like he's just a system quarterback. And I do think that was probably true for a good chunk of his career to start. And then once you do it for so long and you just like, it's all becomes mental. And like, I, I think Tom Brady ended up becoming his own and really like taking over the league. And then you saw him leave the Patriots and he was still fantastic, but he like brought everything he was taught. Right. So I do think that could be, I'm not calling Brock pretty the next Tom Brady, but I think as long as he keeps producing so well in this system, what does it matter if it's due to the system or not? And that is something that I've argued when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan. My argument was like the same thing, essentially. Like Kyle's not going to pull a hamstring. He's always going to be there, so we should be fine. But what I have since learned is the system cannot account for any and all situations. The system is not always going to work. You need a guy that when it does break down can go above and beyond. Perfect example is Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Niners. Third and I think it was third and 15. Mahomes drops back. He's he knows he's going to be under pressure. But guess what? He just drops back 10 more yards. And because he has a rocket attached to his shoulder, can launch a 50-yard bomb to Tyree Kill and get the Chiefs out of a bad situation and jumpstart their offense, which ultimately led to the comeback. System guys can't do that. Yeah. And so I think what what I, I know I'm speaking for myself and what a lot of 49er fans feel is any quarterback should be good in this system. We want the guy who's also capable of that other stuff. And I think some people would say Brock is not capable of that, whereas maybe Trey Lance is. I don't know. So I think Trey Lance could be capable of what you just said, that last thing with Patrick Mahomes, like making that huge play when you really need to, when everything's breaking down. But is he capable of, running the Kyle Shanahan system perfectly without making mistakes with, while targeting guys super accurately. Like we were talking, or I keep saying we, I, I act like when you and Levin have your podcast, like I'm in it. Like I'm like talking with you guys. I really am actually when I'm listening, like I like talk to, I can give my opinions. But so we were talking about Dave Lombardi said that short passes are harder mm -hmm. to throw than longer, whatever you think about that. And like, no, like you said, they're both hard in different ways. I do think in Kyle Shanahan's system, it is so important to be a good short passer. And it doesn't come down to if it's hard or not. It comes down to how accurate you can be on those short passes. Mm -hmm. And I do think it could be a little bit harder because, again, it has to come out quickly. There's defenders all over the place right, right near you and right near the pass catcher. 
And that's how important accuracy comes down to. It can be like that centimeter that makes a difference between one yard after the catch, zero yards after the catch, or 20 yards after the catch. And I don't think that matters as much when it's deep, right? Defenders aren't as close. You can put the ball off the mark by just a little bit and the player has so much time to adjust and like, it's most likely going to be fine. Like it, it, it can be off by it a couple inches or a foot even, but when it's short, it can't be that it has to be perfect. If you're going, especially for the Kyle Shanahan system where so much depends of yards after the catch. And that's where they excel it has to be put in the perfect place. You can't be looking backwards whatsoever. You can't be slowed down because then a defender is going to catch up and, and tackle you right away. And you're not going to get as much after the catch. I think Purdy is better at that than Lance's. Totally fair. Certainly based on what we've seen so far. I know the Niners are trying to sell you this whole thing with the finger and whatever. But from what we've seen so far, that's undeniable. My question is, if you could only have one of those things, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a guy that can physically make stuff happen outside of the structure of the system? Or would you rather have a guy that maybe can't do that as well, but can execute the system flawlessly? that second one because the the being able to execute the system flawlessly we we saw it last year it was working really really well especially when you have all the weapons that you need and those plays happen what like when you are calling plays you expect the play to go well and like you're not going the play's not going to be destroyed every play like 90 percent of the time you have a chance to get the play running how you want it to it might not always work out or you know there's drops or bad passes, like things, things happen, but like we're what the play you're talking about with Patrick Mahomes, eating the drop mm -hmm. back 10 feet. And like, that's not, that doesn't happen all the time. You need to be able to do the other stuff to even get yourself in a situation to win or to be close in games or to have those big uh, opportunities where it actually matters that you make those plays. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do think it's kind of funny that essentially what you're arguing is if everybody just executes the play as yeah. called, it's going to be fine. And you have railed against that exact thought when well, Kyle. Because I, because I hate when he says that. I, I really do, and I, I understand what I just said. But I'm saying those, like, you don't need to make those big plays very often, right? That that's such a little moments in the game where all the other moments, you, like being able to actually execute the system well, is going to matter so much more than, like, oh, okay, well on this third and 15, we didn't get it. Well, you're not really, you don't normally get those. And really only guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, those types get those too, right? Those are the only ones in the quarter or in the NFL where you're like, I feel good on this third and 15 that we can convert this. But like, we don't know Trey Lance could be that guy. There's three of them right now that we can name where we're like, yes, they are absolutely amazing. And they're, you know, I feel very good that they'll get this. I agree that those guys are very hard to find and that there aren't many, but that should still be the goal. And that's something but, that I wrote. Yeah, but also Burrow and Mahomes specifically, they also execute their system perfectly. Yes, so they, they have do. both. Right. You're they not. And that's now Josh Allen also like it, it took him time though. Right. I think now he is at the point where he executes it very well. Maybe not to the same degree as Burrow and Mahomes with those like safe plays. Like he doesn't, do those as well as I think Burrow and Mahomes do, but then his rushing takes over, which you have there with Trey Lance. Like you have the pieces, but you just wish he could do the other stuff a little bit better to feel good about him being the quarterback. Now he's never going to be able to get better at that without time in the games. So Actually, I, I think they're just, 
they're just stuck right now. And I do think Brock Purdy is like him being healthy this year does for a while. I was like, they have Trey Lance. It doesn't matter. Like I would, I would love to see him out there. Like, let's see what he's got. But now I'm kind of on the, like, hopefully Brock Purdy's back fully healthy by week four and he can play the rest of the year. So I want to, I don't want to get derailed into the Lance conversation because you were talking about Purdy and I want to stick with that. Cause the yeah. second thing you said was that he, that PFF said he did not have very many turnover worthy plays. Having seen the games and watched and rewatched the games, I disagree with PFF's assessment a little bit. I think there were actually more turnover worthy plays than PFF is giving him credit for. Not to say that he had a ton, but I do think that if some of those turnover worthy plays had been actual turnovers, we would be feeling and thinking and speaking a lot differently about Brock Purdy than we are right now. Yeah, I'm, I was completely shocked. So I expected to go on PFF and see that he had a ton of turnover worthy plays and he just got lucky. And, but then they gave him three total turnover worthy plays from week 14, all the way through the divisional playoff game, three total. I feel like I remember seeing far more passes. That I was like, Ooh, he got lucky. That wasn't intercepted. <laughs> and his rate was only 1.6. And again, only three guys had lower than that during that span of week 14 through uh, the playoffs. Now it, it, there's one great guy in the list. It's Patrick Mahomes. He had the same turnover where the rate as Purdy during that time. The other two at the top are Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter. So it's like, I mean, the list isn't great, right? But right after Purdy's Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Kenny Pickett, uh, Justin Herbert. So it's an interesting list here, right? And maybe that means, I I think with some of these guys, they're probably being too safe. That's why you have too low of a turnover-worthy play, right? And then you have Brock Purdy sitting there. And it's like, he really only had three? I don't know. I mean, I can, first of all, he had one at the end of the Raiders game that Ayuk saved where he got hit and the ball just floated in the air and Ayuk luckily caught it. That could have been picked off by anybody. He had at least two or three in the first half in the playoffs against Seattle. One was a dropped interception by Quandre Diggs. He had multiple throws against the Cowboys in the playoff game that could have been turnovers. And I feel like we were talking about this well before the playoffs where we were like, Ooh, like he is looking good as a right, like right when he was starting, like the first few games we were like, he is looking good, but like he's getting lucky. So if you're naming these just in the playoffs, it's pretty wild that they only, I don't know what they count as a turnover worthy play then because right. I, if I was watching that, I would be like, that's definitely turnover worthy. Like that could have been turned over pretty easily. So I feel like that would count, but I I was surprised. That's all I wanted to to note here. And this is not like, I don't mean to diminish Brock, but I just, I, this is part of the reason why I'm not as high on him as some other people. If you're watching on YouTube right now, I have a graphic up comparing Brock who got five starts in the regular season to Jimmy Garoppolo's first five starts with the Niners in 2017. And to me, the big difference is the fact that defenders intercepted those turnover-worthy plays with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. He had five interceptions in the five games. Brock didn't have as many interceptions, I think, partially because defenders just didn't catch some of the balls that came their way. Now, Brock also had more touchdown passes, to be fair, and a higher quarterback rating. Um, but I just think that it changes the numbers and on our view of things significantly. And I'm my only worry with Brock Purdy is that he ends up being another, just what we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Good well, sample. Well, I don't know what you're bringing up these stats for because I, I feel like you're trying to use this against him. If anything, this says like Brock Purdy is absolutely amazing. And you can't just be like, well, you know, if Brock's some of his balls were caught, it'd be more interceptions. Maybe Jimmy could have thrown more interceptions if his more of his, you know, bad passes were caught as well. And then the difference between the touchdowns, I don't know. And the difference between the pass rating was huge, but also you can't so pull the up. Yardage, no, the yardage was in favor of Jimmy. Yeah. Well, it's, well, he probably had more pass attempts. It looks like because yards per attempt were identical. So that means that Jimmy just had to throw more. That's all. Cause he played for a way worse defense. Well, way worse everything. I mean, yeah. the team in 2017 stunk compared to the team that brought it. But, but you bringing up this graphic, like, see, like we need to slow down. Do you see that 119 passer rating right there? The yeah, second but- highest. In NFL to me, history, it's the least important but, graphic on the whole. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thing. Second highest in NFL history for uh, a player in their first five NFL starts, behind only Kurt Warner. And the yeah, top three great. are Kurt Warner, Brock Purdy is second, and then Patrick Mahomes is third. That yeah, is great. the like, but like it just is funny. Like I know it doesn't matter all that much, right? Because you know he has a great offense and a great system and it's never been easier to pass in nfl history there's a reason two of the top three there are playing now okay but he still even had higher than patrick freaking mahomes yeah well uh, mahomes was also making way more difficult throws than brock purdy so like just because the numbers he also the plays same. for a brilliant offensive minded head coach yeah and but he also had fantastic weapons so like I don't know. Like, I think being like, these numbers are almost like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Purdy had four more touchdowns, three fewer interceptions. And this is in a five game span. That's a huge, huge difference. And as we just noted, it was on far, far fewer pass attempts because if they average the same amount of yards per attempt, but then had that many different yards per game, that means that Purdy has so fewer pass attempts, which I guess is, you know, that kind of equals out the interceptions, but for the passing touchdowns to have four more is pretty huge. My point is if some of those Purdy passes were intercepted, the but rest of the that, numbers. You can't say that unless you go back to Jimmy Garoppolo's and watch every single game and see how many more interceptions he should have thrown. Like, should he have thrown eight? A couple. Okay. So then it's still the same. Then it's still that difference. It's still the same gap difference. But Brock doesn't look as good. Is Jimmy Garoppolo? He looks more. He looks more like what Jimmy Garoppolo actually did in 2017, and ultimately, we saw that that sample was not representative of who the player was. That's. Yeah, my- I don't think so. I, I I just don't agree with you. Brock Purdy gave me excitement. He showed. I I don't agree. I, I think oh, he. No, you don't know the excitement for Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017, and I was leading that train. I was on board. I was all in. I was like. It was such a rush. Like we traded for Jimmy Garoppolo and he came and they had the red carpet and he looked so handsome in the suit. And then he got it. We were waiting weeks for him to play because Kyle didn't play him right away until Beathard got hurt. And he finally got in there and his first pass or, you know, the first time he got in there at the end of the game, he threw a touchdown on the final play of the game. And then it was win, 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 win. The excitement for Jimmy in 2017 was every bit the excitement for Brock Purdy. I'm old enough to remember. 
but as someone who didn't care about the 49ers, <laughs> like I didn't think anything of Jimmy Garoppolo with them. Maybe I wouldn't think I, this is not really a fair comparison because maybe if I wasn't a 49ers fan last year, maybe I would have thought nothing of Brock Purdy with the 49ers, right? We'd have to talk to people who weren't a fan in either year to see like, Hey, how do you guys feel about the excitement between watching this player with the team and this player? But like when Jim, I was like, eh, he, like, he's just a guy. Like I, you know, he was winning games, but no one was like, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take over the league. Like, no, I never once thought that I was never excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. And like, especially for fantasy, like if I truly thought he was going to be great, we would have been like hyping him up for fantasy. Like nobody was doing that. And people, I mean, if Brock Purdy were to be healthy this year, people would be saying draft. Brock Purdy in fantasy. I know that doesn't matter whatsoever for an NFL quarterback, but it is just saying that he has more ability to score. I, I, I think like, I think his touchdowns are going to be a much higher rate than Jimmy Garoppolo's ever were. And I think that's super important, well, obviously, yeah. because touchdowns point. do matter. <laughs> but also Purdy led the 49ers to 33.6 points per game last year, most by any starting quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo never had that. So I, and I understand the weapons he had and Christian McCaffrey makes such a big difference, but I truly believe Brock Purdy gives them a super high ceiling, it, it, just like Lance does. Now it, the play by play, maybe not that like, if you are looking at certain big plays, maybe he won't have that same kind of effect, but they can score a ton with Purdy and you don't need to score much more than 33 points. If you do, then your defense sucks. Right now with this defense, that should be more than enough. Now, I will say that, you know, number one, it's a small sample size. I think the longer Purdy played, the less effective he got, which is a little scary to me. And defenses have now had a whole offseason to game plan against Christian McCaffrey and Brock and figure out his tendencies and all that stuff. Oh, the game plan against Christian McCaffrey. I mean, how long has he been in the league now? I don't think anyone's stopping Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be harder, is my point. They can, didn't I come, can I give you a fun Christian McCaffrey note? And it's, yes, <laughs> you know, I just love to throw these notes in. I'm sorry. I get too excited about <laughs> notes. Okay. So McCaffrey averages 113.1 career scrimmage yards per game. Mm -hmm. That's the fourth most in NFL history for with guys that played 75 career games or more. This is the list. Hall of Fame, Jim Brown, Hall of Fame, Barry Sanders, Hall of Fame, Terrell Davis, Christian McCaffrey, under him, Hall of Fame, Walter Payton. That is pretty freaking amazing. He's unbelievable. He's everything you could have hoped he would have been when they made the trade. Because what did we all say when they made the trade, right? Boy, that that's they give up four draft picks. He's got to be really freaking good in order for this to be worth it. And guess what? He was unequivocally. He was unbelievable. No defense is going to figure him out. Like there is no figuring him out. He's just good. You can say maybe he's aging, but I don't I actually don't know his age. But I don't I don't think we have to worry about that this season. He's going to be 28. I think he's 28. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so much older than I thought he was. Maybe we do have to start worrying about that, but I I'll say it this season. I think he's safe with his age. All right. 26. That. My bad. 26. Tw okay. I was going to say there is no way he's 28. So okay. he's 26. Yeah, 26 and oh, well he turns 27 in five days. It's always harder though. Like, no, Kyle Shanahan had never had him. Teams did not know how Kyle was going to use him. Now they have more information because they have some tape that's out there. I'm not saying he Chris was used was... like this in with the Panthers. Like he was used exactly the same way. Mm, I don't think exactly the same. Yes, way. he was used exactly the same way. Like it, 
the, he knows what he's good at. Teams know what he's good at. Coaches know what he's good at. And that's why he was used that way with the Panthers. Now it ended up being better, right? He had more efficiency because he was on a better team and all that good stuff, but they use him the same way. I don't think he was used exactly the same way. And I'm not saying he's going to be neutralized next year at all. I'm just saying it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder for everybody. You have to constantly evolve. Otherwise, defenses are going to come up with ways to stop you. Even Patrick Mahomes, right? The most unstoppable force we've ever seen. Teams figured out how to take away a lot of his deep passes, and he had to learn how to evolve his game to play within the system to live with the shorter passes. And he has done that because he's a freaking monster and he's awesome. But teams are going to force you to have to change. And Brock doesn't get the benefit of an offseason of working with his team and the improvements he might make in that area because he's been rehabbing, which stinks. That's my biggest concern, honestly, with Purdy, is that you still have to grow. Like every year you're in the league, especially at the, the beginning here, you need to make progress and you need to keep getting better and you cannot stay stagnant. And you, you know, teams have all this film on you now. Like you have to, and you have to have that connection with your teammates as well. And just, yeah. And him not having that time this off season, I think does matter a lot. And that would be my biggest concern with him for sure. Besides also just like, have you lost any arm strength? Because even if you lost the tiniest bit of what you already had, like it might not be NFL quarterback caliber anymore. Yes. And that is a real concern. Again, only two other current NFL quarterbacks, two other NFL quarterbacks, period, have ever had this surgery because it's only existed for a decade. One is Nick Mullins and one is Clayton Thorson, who's actually on the 49ers roster right now. Uh, so we, we're in uncharted waters. We don't really know. I will say this, and again, I want to stress that it's early in the rehab process, and there's a long way to go still. But if things continue as they have so far, and Brock doesn't have any setbacks, right, and he's back for week one, that is an extraordinary amount of luck that has gone the 49ers away. Think about it. Number one, that this surgery even exists, because like I said, it didn't 10 years ago. 10 years ago, if this injury happened, it's Tommy John surgery and you're out for a whole year because that's all we knew how to do. So that's luck number one. Lucky thing number two, Brock's tendon is in good enough shape that they can do this surgery. They don't have to replace it. They can actually repair the one that's there, which is a shorter recovery time. Number three would be he hadn't had any setbacks, which would be absolutely unbelievable. And number four would be that he doesn't lose any arm strength in this situation which we don't know, but hopefully that seems to be the case. All of those things will have come up in the 49ers' favor throughout this whole process. That's a lot of sevens for them to come up. Like, they're hitting the jackpot in that scenario. This would be an incredible amount of luck by the 49ers. Also, if he's not able to play any preseason games, right? So let's say everything goes perfectly with him like you just laid out. I, I still don't even if everything goes perfectly, you like, there's no way he plays in a preseason game, right? That's another question. What if he is, what if they do feel confident that he can play in a preseason game? Do you want him out there on the one hand? Like he needs reps with his teammates, but on the other hand, God damn, you don't want him to get hurt. Yeah. Again. But if he plans, I'm playing in week one. Uh, I, 
there's been quarterbacks who are like that first hit of like preseason or like, that's why a lot of quarterbacks like to play in the preseason. They, they mm-hmm. want to get that first hit out of the way, right? Like it's going to be a hard impact. And like you, you can't kind of get in your own head and it's probably hard to play when you're worried about getting hit. Like you cannot worry about getting hit or you're not going to be a good quarterback. So if he goes into week one, like this whole off season, not getting Old touched. Turkey. Also the last time you got hit, you got hurt. Like, mm-hmm. So this is all going to be in your head and you're probably worried about the elbow just a little bit. And like, you're like, ah, and then you also have TJ Watt coming at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> is this a good, I don't know. I, maybe Brock Purdy is just made out of something else because he does seem like he's just like that dude where nothing bothers him. Yep. You would have to just be stone cold. Like your body is just made of ice and you don't feel anything to not be worried in that situation and not be like, ah, until like you get it out of you and maybe get hit a couple of times. He's a human being and surgery sucks. It's really hard. It's really scary. Rehab is really hard. Like nobody wants to go through that again. I don't care who you are. And you talk to people that have had major surgeries. Jimmy Garoppolo talked about it eventually with his knee. Other players have talked about like, you need to, have confidence in that body part that was surgically repaired, that it's going to be okay when it does take hits that has to factor in for everybody. I've never had like a a major kind of like orthopedic type surgery like that, but I'd be scared shitless if that was me. Yeah. Anytime you have to go under, it's just scary. Mm Hmm. I mean, I cried when I had to get my wisdom teeth out. I was so scared. (laughs) Not about the pain. I didn't care about the surgery or the pain afterwards. I'm so scared to get put to sleep. Really? See, that doesn't phase me at all. Like, whatever you got to do to me, put me to sleep. Just wake me up when it's over, after it's already done. No. I I guess I'm scared I'm not going to wake up. Yeah, but you'll never know anyway. (gasps) No. Oh, I'm so scared of death. We can't talk about this. (laughs) Well, so am I. (laughs) If I got to pick a way to go, that's not the worst way to go. I'll say that. Um, Okay, now you got me thinking a whole bunch of other crazy things. Uh, The Brock preseason stuff, though, That's it's really... It's going to be a dicey situation because you want him to get the reps, but there is risk there. I mean, hell, Trey Lance played in the preseason against the Raiders, broke his finger, and to hear the 49ers tell it has never been the same after that. That could Those weird fluke kind of screwy plays could easily happen to Brock Purdy. Yeah, I don't really know how you'd want to go about that because it's not like I would feel good about being like, yeah, throw, throw Brock in there, especially because that is a, a whole – to over two weeks before he would actually have to be in action. Like that's a lot of more recovery time. That's a lot of time that he could be out there practicing with his teammates and like taking it slow and not worrying about injury. Like that's a lot of time there to the still recover before the first big, you know, week one. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't see a possibility of starting week one. I know that's what all the reports are saying now. Like mm-hmm. there's a real possibility. And Matt Mayoko, I think I did yep. say his name, right? Um, he, like he said, if you had to predict who the week one starting quarterback is right now, he would say Brock Purdy. I I can't get there. I really can't. I just don't think that would be responsible. And I just don't know how that would work that fast. But he, he would I, I, I'm not in be, there. I don't know. I could be dead wrong. I think, I mean, to hear the 49ers tell it, essentially, like he would have to be ready to go so far ahead of week yeah. one. Because they've said they don't want to just throw him in their cold turkey. So that means he would have to be ready to go, I would imagine, at least by the final preseason game, at least by then. 
Um, the only reason I could see them rushing, like I, I understand they would want to rush Brock Purdy because they don't want this to become a headache. It's not, oh, Trey Lance started. <laughs> He's looking good. Uh, the first, like, how do I sit Trey Lance? But then Brock Purdy's ready, and we said it's his team, and then it becomes a headache. It, like, I, I understand that. And I also could understand them being like, let's just start Sam Darnold because we can pull him whenever. We have no alliances to him. We didn't do it. Like, we're spending, like, nothing on him. He's with us for one year. Like, we could sit him easily. Think but, about that. Like, that's such backwards thinking. Oh, though. I know. I know. We can't play Trey Lance because he might be good. <laughs> the 49ers, I think, would probably want Brock Purdy back by week one, not just because they think he's the best chance for them to win, because like teams want their quarterback to stay healthy. They don't want to rush him back. You don't need to win week one. I think the biggest reason I truly believe that they want him back is so they don't have to deal with this headache if Trey Lance ends up being, you know, showing out the first couple of weeks. Like, then what do you do? And I don't know the answer. That's by far the the simplest, easiest solution for the 49ers. Brock is back. We already said he's the guy. He balled out in the eight games. That's what we're doing. That is by far the easiest thing, especially when you look at the Niners' schedule here as I get it up on YouTube, right? Week one, the Steelers, your quarterback's probably not going to put up amazing stats, right? But then the Rams in week two, whose defense stinks, the Giants in week three, who aren't very good, the Cardinals, who could be the worst team in the league, your quarterback will probably look good in those three games, whoever it is. So then, like you said, if Brock is ready to go after that Cardinals game, are you benching this quarterback that looks good for Brock Purdy coming off a major injury? It is a question. And so it's kind of weird how the schedule sort of plays into all of this and could potentially create a dicier situation. What happens if Brock Purdy does start week one? Like, they, they get him. They say he's good to go. It feels rushed. And let's say it's like, Ooh, like clearly his, uh, like something's off here. Or like he's not doing as well. Does like, is it where he could lose his job? Like how much of a leeway do they give him? You know? Cause I feel like they've been completely behind Brock Purdy. How long do they give him if, you know, he doesn't come out and look like his rookie year or better and it looks worse and maybe it is the elbow or maybe it's just like, it could be so many different things. Do so you think like if he starts week one and he doesn't get re-injured, like he is just the quarterback for the entire year and it doesn't matter how he plays. I think what matters more than anything, and this sounds obvious, but just go with me here. What matters more than anything is if the team wins, because what we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo is even if the quarterback plays poorly and makes it more difficult for the team to win games, if they win, Kyle will stick with you. So even if Brock doesn't look the same and doesn't play great, as long as the team continues to win, I think Kyle will stick with him. If they don't win and he plays poorly, we don't know how Kyle Shanahan will handle that because he's never really faced that. I mean, he did early on in 2017 and 2018, but like there was no other really viable options for him to turn to. So it wasn't like there was a ton of pressure to change yeah. quarterbacks because it was like, who cares? So we don't really know what his sort of tendency would be in that spot. And I don't really know. But as long as the team wins, Kyle will stick with Brock. Because like you said, it's just, it's a simpler process. It's a simpler life, really. No matter what, it's just going to be a, a hard situation. That I mean, well, I guess not no matter what. Brock Purdy could be ready by week one. He plays week one. They beat the Steelers. Brock looks like he did last year. And everyone's happy. And then maybe they can finally win a damn Super Bowl. That's, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Although I feel like you said that with a lot of contempt. 
<laughs> yes, because uh, I had the pleasure of getting to dig into some 49ers notes on just like the NFC championship. If they'll ever, you know, get bring the pain, call yeah. ahead. So it's fine. the 49ers have made six NFC championship appearances over the last 12 postseasons, most by any <laughs> NFC team. Think about that. Half yeah. of the NFC championship games in the last 12 years have featured the 49ers and they haven't even been good every year in those last 12 years. Yep. And uh, so the Patriots and the chiefs are the only other teams with five plus conference championship appearances over that same span. So over the last 12 postseasons, the Patriots <laughs> won three Super Bowls during that span and, and were quarterbacked by Tom Brady. The chiefs won two. With Mahomes. The 49ers have won zero. Yeah, let's see. Uh, we all know that, Michelle. We okay. Thank you for twisting that knife just that but, little bit. And I don't care who the quarterback is, right? But they, I'm, they're wasting opportunities. They have been, they've made the NFC championship 50% of the time over the last 12, pre, 12 preseasons. Sorry, postseasons. Zero Super Bowls. What a waste. What a waste. And then also there was another one. So they've reached the conference championship in each of their last six playoff appearances. If they make the playoffs, they make it to the conference championship, which is kind of crazy, mm -hmm. right? So like, that's tied for the longest so streak all time. Only the Patriots from 2011 to 2018 had a longer streak of eight. They went to three Super or they had three Super Bowl wins during that streak. Also, they're tied with the 49ers back in uh, 88 to 94. They had uh, six was the streak again. They won three Super Bowls during that streak. The Raiders 1973 to 80 had a streak of six such times where they make the playoffs, they make the conference championship. They had two Super Bowl wins during that time. Again, zero for the 49ers. Waste, waste, waste. Win something, Kyle. Win. I know it wasn't all Kyle. I know there's other coaches here, but they're not trying to lose. <laughs> they're trying to win. I understand, but come on. You this is such a wasted opportunity. They should have the most Super Bowls by any franchise in NFL history pretty easily. Like they should have won at least two of these times because every other team did. And they should have seven right now. Tie with Tom Brady for the most. And that's, I've been saying too, like we cannot take this for granted. Like playing for the, in the NFC championship every year doesn't just happen. It's really freaking hard. Ask the Dallas Cowboys. They have not made an NFC championship game since 1995. It's not easy to do. So you're not always going to get these bites at the apple, these chances to play for a Super Bowl. And you have been here again and again and again. And you're right. More often than not, the 49ers have come up short, whether it's Shanahan or whether it's Jim Harbaugh, who made three straight and only got to one Super Bowl, which he lost. This doesn't happen that often. And it's frustrating to be so close and yet so far. I do. Like, I thought I thought 2022 was their year. And it should have been. And that Brock Purdy injury ruined it. It shouldn't you, have been, though, really. Do you they think never... if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, though, in that game they win? I honestly have no idea. Because the Eagles yeah. were kicking the hell out of the 49ers offensive line. Like, dominating the 49ers offensive line. So, I don't know. that. That's another, like, frustrating thing that I've talked about with Levin. Is, like, I would have loved to see how Brock Purdy played in that environment on the road against a team that's giving him all sorts of pressure because the offensive line is getting worked. He may have been great because he's very elusive and he can make things happen, but we never really got to see that because the 49ers did not play a lot of great defenses during Brock's stretch of games. Yeah. 
And so like, so how are they going to beat the Eagles this year in the playoffs? If they didn't fix their line, really? I mean, the, the article I read from the athletic literally said that the offensive line coach is just like, yeah, Burford and McKivitt, you have no competition. You guys are the starters. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I think some of that is to try and pump those guys up a little, but really, because I'd be like, oh, well, I have no competition. Okay. I'm such a competitive person. You tell me I'm competing against someone. I am going to be like, oh, I'm going to destroy them. But if I have no competition, like what, what is there? What is it? Like what's motivating you? Uh, Signing a potential huge contract. I I know. Like there's, I know. (laughs) Like you don't need that competition. You don't need to be looking over your shoulder. But like, I, I just think for a second year guy in Burford who, you know, if you watch PFF the film, PFF like, killed him. Yeah, PFF absolutely destroyed him. So I, I don't know. I haven't sat down and watched Burford play by, but like, I don't really know my own personal mm-hmm. thoughts. I'm taking this from PFF, like completely. I'm going to be like, I don't watch offensive linemen and know if they're good or bad. Like, I'm just not at that level. <laughs> but I, I look at PFF to see like what are their thoughts because they are at that level with knowing what they're looking at, and they had him graded absolutely terribly. Now he was a rookie and he was a late drafted rookie at that but you can't just come in the season and have no competition you kidding me and also since your line just got destroyed in their last game they played and that is a team you need to beat like I understand there's a full regular season and there's a lot coming to it but the goal here is you know you should be making the conference championship at the very least and the you you know that there's a solid chance that you might be playing the Eagles how -hmm. are you going to beat them this year and you can't just have the same line that got destroyed by them. They have to get better and maybe they will get better. But when you're just saying like, well, this job's yours. Like, eh, I don't like that. It's I a personally lot of, don't like that. There's a lot of unknown on that offensive line. We don't know how McKivitz is going to hold up. We hope that Burford will be better. He's definitely got the uh, standard. He looks like a totally different person. He's bulked up and training camp. We've got, we've heard all that stuff already about him, which hopefully is good. And he's a young player and young players can get better. And if that happens, then that would be their answer, right? That we have improved the offensive line, not by changing personnel, but just through improvements from some of our younger players. And maybe that is the case, but we don't know. And it's a perfectly valid question to say, what's to stop them from whooping you all over again. Now, Javon Hargrave is playing for the other team. So that'll help. And the Eagles are relying on a bunch of rookies. So unproven guys there. So maybe their line takes a bigger hit than we think, but it definitely needs to be. I think it's fair to ask the question and we'll find out when the Niners and Eagles play in the regular season. But the 49ers, they really need guys to step up on their defensive line too. Now Hargrave should really help that, but I mean, they lost, well, it's, I don't even know if you should say losing, but cause Bosa was the only guy that had more than five sacks last year for the 49ers. And then they lost Ibu Cam and uh, Amenahu who are the only that that was their second and third leaders in sacks. So it's mm-hmm. like, you need someone else to step up. I, I mean, all the talk right now in OTAs is Drake Jackson. He, like, he is so important to the season. I, I, like he needs to come out, have eight to 10 sacks. Like you're playing with Bosa and Hargrave and, and Armstead. Like you should have a lot of like, no, no offensive line is going to be focusing on, on you, Drake Jackson. Like you should have a ton of opportunities and he needs to like really step up in the second year. And it seems like he's taking this off season very uh, seriously and doing all the mm-hmm. right things. And we know he's talented. So I'm excited to see what happens. If he can end up taking that step, that defensive line with those four guys is like 
that amazing. It's the linchpin of the team. Uh, if you want to hear or read about the steps that Drake has taken in that area, I have a great story about it up on our new website, goldstandardniners.com. Go and check it out. He gave one of the most revealing answers about that that I've heard any player give in a long, long time. Uh, so please go to goldstandardniners.com and check that out. The problem is, Michelle, I feel like I've been saying that exact thing about everybody that plays opposite Nick Bosa. When Ebi- when they got Ebicam, I was like, He's never going to face a double team. They got Armstead. They got Bosa. At that point, Kinlaw, you know, we had higher hopes for Kinlaw. So I was thinking, like, you're in a position as a pass rusher on the opposite side of Bosa to be able to have a really good year. And they've never been able to get that kind of production that they've been hoping for out of that side. The difference is it was Samson Ebukam. And I was telling (laughs) you this. Like, it's just you can't throw it anyway. Like, you have to have, like, be pretty talented as well. And I understand anyone in the NFL is extremely talented. I'm comparing them against their peers, against other guys right. they're playing against. Of course. And I do think Drake Jackson has the skill set. He just needs to put it together. And I think he has a – he's much more skilled than Evercamp. Like, I, so he has the ability. He just needs to put it all together. And, and uh, they need it. They need someone else besides just Bosa. And hopefully Hargrave does that right? You, you brought him in for that reason, but mm-hmm. also having another guy in the edge there that can like, that would be so huge. Cause how, what are you going to do? Stop putting all the guys on there. Like, how would you defend that? And you know, you, they really need that because they haven't done much to fix their secondary. And I have bad stats for the secondary too, but we can leave that for another show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what they have wanted to get back to the 2019 defense. When you had Bosa and you had a healthy ish D Ford, just dominating offensive tackles, forcing quarterbacks to step up right into the face of DeForest Buckner. That's when they thought their defense was at its best. And they've been trying to get back to that ever since. And they haven't been able to do it because they haven't had the success in the middle of the defensive line because Kinlaw has been a bust and they haven't had the outside pass rusher opposite Bosa. They are as close now to that as they have ever been. At least I think they would tell you that and we'll find out. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this defense line. I think they've done enough. Like, this is an area this offseason. I think they've done a really good job. Like, doing signing Hargrave, and then I guess that's really pretty much all they did. But I, I think having Drake Jackson here from last draft and really getting him de- developed and the way that he seems focused, I think, will be huge, hopefully. Now, and we hear these type of stories all the time. Like, I'm more focused. I'm in the bush of mm-hmm. my life, and then nothing ends up happening. But for some reason, I'm trusting that Drake Jackson will be a lot better this year. And, you know, they're hoping that Kalia Davis contributes. He was hurt all last year coming off an ACL. They brought in a couple other veteran players like they always do on the defensive line. They seem to get three to four sacks out of all these people. So they they think they're good there. And maybe they are. It seems like they're going to be pretty good. The question really is the secondary outside of Mooney Ward and Diamondor Lenore. And although all the early reports are good on Jair Brown, we still don't know because I don't have enough faith in Tashawn Gibson to repeat his performance last year. That's yeah. that's a big question mark. And, of course, we haven't talked about it, but our man, Jake Moody, how does he do? Oh, man. I know. I hear he's just killing it in practice. He better be. <laughs> There's you no can't one make coming at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's fun times. Talking about it is fun times. 
minicamp, hopefully, like I said, I think Matt Mayoko said on KMBR that the plan is to cancel the last week of OTAs, which was originally scheduled for next week, and then move minicamp up a week. So min- mandatory minicamp would be next week. So that'll be cool. You know, I-, I love when they're on the field. Like, we have actual stuff to talk about. It's not just hypothetical stuff. I know it's just practice, but it's better than what we had. That's very true. And I think, I feel like minicamp's a little bit more exciting than OTAs. So yeah, we'll get a little bit more. What is the vibe coming out of Steelers camp this year? What have you heard? Is Kenny Pickett lighting it up? What's, what's going on? You know what? I've heard very, very little. Mm. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't want to hear. I, I haven't really dug in that much about Steelers OTAs. I don't care about OTAs in the slightest. I don't take anything I hear from them with any, with anything. That's why like, I, that's why I'm saying there's no news because I don't care about anything that ha- that's happening in shorts with no defense with like almost all the good players, like playing to the side and not doing anything. And then apparently you just can sh- be like, Oh, we're just not even going to come this week. Like then clearly like, what are you even here for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care about if, OTAs. If you're Trey Lance or even Sam Darnold, like that's all you have to prove yourself, you know, like yeah. this is, this is the only thing I have. And like, yeah, you could say that it doesn't count, but, this is the only thing I can sort of control. So it's got to be frustrating for them, but it is what it is. True. Come on, Trey. Damn it. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> oh. I can't wait to ask Chris Sims about like, can a broken finger completely alter your throwing motion and totally screw you up? Maybe it can. I don't know. I wasn't a quarterback. I asked the former Bucks you quarterback. So. You would think so. I mean, it seems pretty important. I don't know. That's why I want to ask him. Uh, I asked Sean King, who used to play quarterback for the Bucs. He said, absolutely not. Um, But Chris is a unique person to answer that question because he lost his spleen during a game. And he has told the story many times about how it completely disrupted his throwing motion. He lost, it's called proprioception. He lost his proprioception. What that is, is like, think about when you're going down the stairs and you think either that you're at the bottom or you think there's another stair there and you're kind of like unsure of yourself. That's how he felt throwing a football. And he had to like get over that. And he had to go to a lot of different doctors to try and figure out what was wrong. So, and that wasn't an injury to his legs, hand, arm, shoulder, finger, anything. And it still messed with his throwing motion. So maybe it can. So that's why I want to ask it. That seems a lot more serious than a broken finger. But but also I I would, I probably also matters which finger you broke, right? Like, Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know which one would matter the most, but I, like you said, Sean King, like maybe he broke a different finger where it didn't matter as much because you, you're not putting as much pressure on it when you're throwing. Right. Lance broke the index finger on his throwing hand. Which yeah, is- that's the one I was thinking would be the most important. Like when I'm thinking about throwing the ball, that like you do really like I'm using pretty much that finger and my pointer finger, I guess. I feel like your middle finger really doesn't matter whatsoever. Like if you break your middle finger, I feel like you would be fine. I don't know. I'm going to have to throw a football and figure this out. I'm going to, I'm going to do some tests today and I'll let you know. There you go. Videotape that. That'd be excellent. Okay. Um, yeah. Traditionally the, the index finger is the last finger that touches the ball when you throw. And I feel Lance like you don't said, even need your middle finger. Oh, well, Trey said he couldn't extend the, the finger. So he would throw the ball sometimes without his pointer finger, even on the ball. Cause he had to learn to throw it with his middle finger kind of being the last finger. That's why at least the 49ers are telling you, some of those throws looked as wobbly and wonky as they look because his, his index finger was not even like really on the ball. Well, that's good because those balls were wobbly. <laughs> that drop is going to live forever. <laughs> yes. Uh... 
All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Smash the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Shout out to all our YouTube channel members. Please, please, please consider being a YouTube channel member. You get priority comment response, custom badges. You get uh, custom emojis, membership badges, I should have said. So please consider that less than $3 a month. Michelle, I'm so glad you're back. I missed you last week. I missed talking about the 49ers with you. So this was fun. I'm happy that, you know, the 49ers give us this quarterback news to just talk about daily. We could yes. we could have a daily show on 49ers quarterback drama. Ooh, they should start a reality show. I've been watching the Vanderpumps uh, on Bravo. And I now I just want a reality show of everything. And I feel like <laughs> they should stick Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance in a house and make them live together and give them a bunch of alcohol and just see what goes down. I would watch the hell out of that show. <laughs> The 49ers will never have to do hard knocks because Kyle Shannon makes the playoffs and they have all these rules that you can't be forced to do it. And he'll never do it voluntarily. I would love a behind the scenes of the 49ers. I think it would be fascinating. I would love to see Kyle Shanahan on hard knocks just to see mm-hmm. how he coaches and like how stubborn he really is. Or like, this is- <laughs> I would love that. Uh, um, so yeah, maybe if they miss the playoffs one of these years, it won't be the worst thing ever. Cause then maybe they can get hard knocks. Well, I think, th- and I think the league would force them. If the league could force them to do it, I think they would, because like, think about all the characters there, right? You got Kyle. Number one, George Kittle is there. Debo is there. Trent Williams is like a swaggy guy. Fred Warner's sort of crazy in a good way. Like there are so many compelling personalities on the team that I think the NFL would easily be like, yep, you're doing it, we don't care. And Kyle would just be miserable the entire time. They should just be able to make any team do it. Like once, you can't keep doing it, but once. It'd be interesting, but who knows? Anyway, have a good weekend, everybody. Michelle, glad to have you back. Glad to be back. Bye, y'all.